Welcome to God Knows Where. I'm Brett Harris. We've got two stories today that help us look at the one thing that keeps us from rest and from being Sabbath people more than anything else. Worry. We'll go back to the Exodus story and we'll also jump forward to Jesus. But before we do, I wanted to share two fun things from this past week. First, a friend who listens to the podcast caught up on some episodes during a weekend run and shared with me what we all know is true. God Knows Where is not conducive to keeping a brisk pace or setting a PR. We had a good laugh about all that. And another listener shared that a friend she'd shared the podcast with shared it with another friend who's also come to enjoy what we've got going on here. And if that's not God Knows Where in a nutshell, I don't know what is. We're slowing down, taking a different approach to looking at our faith and bringing anyone and everyone along for the journey. So thank you for listening and for recommending and reaching out. I love all of it. Keep helping others find the show by sharing it with them. However you want to. Links to episodes, our social media accounts, or just with a phone call or a text. Who knows where all this may lead. For now, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Enough is enough. A reading from Exodus. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. And that way I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard your complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. Also, a reading from Matthew. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. I don't remember where we were headed, but a while back we were driving in the car and one of my sons piped up and said, Hey dad, did you know that we're the only creatures that pay to live on earth? I mean, did I know that? I'd never really thought about it, but I have thought a lot about it since that car ride. Now we can debate what pay means and how other creatures pay to live by constantly having to be alert for potential threats and not knowing when or from where their next meal will come and save our pets not having access to potentially life-saving care when they get injured. But we're the only ones that have taken this life we've been given and the resources all around us and built an economy that buys and sells and hoards and withholds all these resources around us. We're the only ones who pay to live on earth who have separated ourselves so much from the earth beneath us and the life around us that everything that nourishes us, provides us safety, and even leads us into moments of sheer awe at the wonders of the world in which we live, they've all become commodities for us to buy and sell. And while that has given us a lot, the biggest contribution I think it's made to our lives is our ability to worry about whether or not we have enough. Even though, as we saw last week when we looked at that first creation story that we have in our tradition, God makes it abundantly clear that this world has all we need to live and be alive. It's designed to provide enough for those of us who live here. And the reason we have these two stories that we've read today is because somewhere along the way we started to believe that there wasn't enough that we needed more, that we couldn't be certain we'd have enough tomorrow. So we needed to start hoarding and reserving our resources for what might happen in the future. That we couldn't rest until we had enough, and we never really took time to consider what would be enough. We have these stories, and they aren't the only ones. Loaves and fishes come to mind too. But we have these stories because we need them. We need what they remind us. There's no need to worry. That we can take time to rest because there's always going to be enough to go around. It's hard to rest. It's hard to practice Sabbath when we forget that there is enough, that we have enough, that we are enough. When we fear that we don't have enough or we won't have enough, that maybe something will happen on the fifth day and there won't really be enough manna to find on the sixth day to hold us over from the Sabbath until the week begins, when we begin to fear that, we begin to worry. And worry is an engine that is nearly impossible to slow down. I know. I come from a long line of worriers, people whose worry engine never slows down. I mean, in some ways, we all come from a long line of worriers. Those first folks who held a few berries back for later, they were the first ones to let worry win. But I feel especially equipped to talk about worry because it's probably the thing that I do best. 
It's the thing that I spent a couple of years going to therapy trying to overcome, and it still creeps into my life on the regular. I mean, the other day, Elizabeth sent me a post from Instagram that read, I'm so tired of worrying about everything for everyone, every second of the day, but I'm also worried that nobody will worry as good as I do about all the things that need worrying about. And my response was, exactly. It's hard to stop this worry engine from running. And strangely enough, the only thing that can stop it is the one thing it doesn't want to do. Rest. To trust that once we've done what we can, that there's nothing else to do, nothing more to be done, but to go on with life in the present and tackle what's next, next. Worry and fear make us believe that false idea that there's always something else we can do, something else we should do, another rock we should look under for manna, a better hole we should dig to find a worm to bring back to our nest, a different direction we should contort ourselves to get more light, to grow taller and more beautiful. Worry leaves no room for rest. And we need to rest. We need to rest for a lot of reasons, but certainly because when we do rest, we force ourselves to stop the rat race and to live with what we have and to see that we're okay, that we have enough, that there's nothing to fear. I mean, how many times have we gone off to summer camp or on vacation or or anywhere without all the things we think we need to make it through the day and learned that we could make it just fine without them? Or how many times has the power gone out at our house and we've learned in those moments when we had to stop that there's a lot of things we can do without electricity? How many times have our budgets been constricted either by choice or by force and we've learned what we can do without and sometimes we've learned we can do even better than what we did with more? How many times when we're forced to rest do we come to see just exactly how okay we are without all this need to worry about what may or may not come down the pike? And This might be hard to hear because it's really hard for me to say, but how many times have we learned all of this in the midst of our rest and then jumped right back onto the hamster wheel when the week began again? I think as much as these stories remind us not to fear or not to worry about not having enough, about believing that not only is it good to rest, that we can trust God enough to rest, but that rest also releases us from fear just as it renews us for a new day, these stories also teach us that it's up to us to be okay with enough. And that's hard because, as I've already said, we don't know what is enough. Is it just enough for today or or for the week or for the year? Is enough enough so our kids don't have to worry about anything? Is enough enough for me and mine or you and yours or for all of us together? What is enough? Maybe more importantly, these stories challenge us not to recalibrate a true definition of enough with the excess and the access we've become accustomed to in all the structures we've built on top of the resources and rhythms of the earth and life all around us. 
It's hard for us to know what is enough, to agree on what is enough, because we've moved the goalposts so far away from what creation provides for us to how much we can acquire from it. From what we need to what we can get. These stories remind us that excess isn't enough. Enough is enough. And enough comes from God. Excess is just exhausting in all the ways. That's why I'm really grateful to have made friends with a guy named Joseph. Joseph knows more about the earth and what comes out of it or lives off of it than anyone else I know. And he's taught me how to slow down and helped me recalibrate my sense of enough. Years ago, he took Elizabeth and me down to the creek behind our house to forage for chanterelle mushrooms. And side note, they put together a little cookbook of chanterelle recipes if you want to go check it out. But we didn't just find chanterelles with Joseph. He showed us chicken of the woods and wild blackberries and dewberries and all these other foods just growing in the wild near our house. And I've gone turkey hunting with him too, more so to learn from him about the woods than to fill out our Thanksgiving spread. And in every way, Joseph makes the most out of what the land around him provides. And he knows that with a little effort, there's more than enough for him and for us and for everyone. We don't need much more to make it than what's already there. I'd argue that our confusing enough and excess with one another is the source of every single problem we've ever faced on earth. And it's the foundation of all our worries and our inability to rest. When we need or believe we need more than enough to make it through today or tomorrow or this life, then all we do is ramp up our energy and our effort to acquire more and more and more And in so doing, all we do is exhaust our resources and we burn ourselves out and we leave no time or energy to enjoy life on earth, the limited time we all get. And certainly, we leave no time to rest. Why would we rest when there's more to get and more to do? But we have to remember two things from these stories. First, That Jesus reminds us that each day has enough trouble of its own. So if we're going to worry, let's worry about what can be handled today. So that we can rest easy tonight, knowing that we've done all we can do. And we'll do all we can again tomorrow when tomorrow comes. And maybe more importantly, at their root, these stories are all about being prepared. Not that we can do more or need to do more or worry more about getting prepared, but that God is in the business of preparing us for what's ahead. In all the examples, the lilies and the sparrow and the manna, it is God who has prepared them for the moment. God wouldn't let the people go hungry. They might not be so full they can't move at the end of the day, but with the manna God provides them, They'll have enough to get through each day. And they'll even have enough to make it through two days so they can take a day to rest. And with the flowers and the birds, they're designed and adapted and prepared simply with what is within them 
and readily available right around them with enough, enough to eat and drink and make a home and to root themselves deeply enough to make a good life today. And so are we. God prepares us just the same. There's nothing to worry about because the correct response to that Instagram post Elizabeth shared with me is that we don't need to worry that nobody will worry as good as we do about all the things that need worrying about because God already has. God has seen to it that we have enough. All we have to do is take the time to rest so we can have the time and the space and the experience to look around and see all the abundance right around us. We simply have to rest in the comfort that God has prepared us with enough to get us through today. We can worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. God Knows Where is written, produced, and edited by me, Brett Harris, with music by Thomas Steinwinder and Michael Trest, and unwavering support from my wife, Elizabeth. If you like what you hear, I'd encourage you to share God Knows Where with your friends and family and give us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. It'll mean the world to me and it'll help more people find God Knows Where. Thanks in advance for your help and for being here and for listening. Until next time, take these words from William Sloan Coffin with you. May God give you the grace never to sell yourself short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to remember that the world is too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. So may God take your minds and think through them, and your eyes and see through them, and your hearts and set them on fire.